The chants of the crowd echoed through the air. The sea of people was warm and welcoming. As he approached, the people parted to let him through. The faces, smiling, happy, all looked the same to him. His eyes then saw a familiar one, an enemy, not an ally. The glint of the gun caught his eyes next. Shots ran out. Those once happy, smiling faces turned to fear and panic. The cheers turned into screams. A warm, wet feeling cloaked his body, and then came the enormous pain. He groaned and slumped amongst the fleeing crowd. His name was Mahatma Gandhi, and this is the good, the bad, and the pure evil. Mohandas Karamshan Gandhi was an Indian lawyer, anti-colonial nationalist, and political ethicist. He used a non-violent resistance approach to lead a successful campaign for India's freedom from British rule. He would later use the same approach to inspire movements for civil rights and freedom worldwide. He was honored with the title Mahatman, which is Sanskrit meaning great soul, in 1914. He would be known worldwide as Mahatma Gandhi. So born October 2nd, 1869, into money. Yes, money. This isn't a rags to riches story. It's quite the opposite. His father was chief minister of Prabandar and his mother was religious. She would bring Gandhi up infused in the Jain pacifist teachings with a vegetarian diet. Gandhi was his parents' last child. His mother would have him in a dark, windowless ground floor room in their home. As a child, he was said to be restless, constantly playing or exploring never one to sit still. At age nine he entered school. As a student he was okay. He won a few prizes but was painfully shy and didn't want to join in much. His books and school lessons were all he needed. We hit 1883 and he gets married. You're probably doing the maths right now in your head. Born 1869, married 1883. So yes, he was 13. He married a 14 year old, Kasturba Makanji Kapadia, or Ba as he nicknamed her. The wedding was arranged, which was normal and tradition at the time. Because of the wedding, Gandhi lost a year of school but made it up by doubling down in his studies. The wedding wasn't a solo event, his brother and cousin would also marry the exact same day. I giggled at the next part because of the innocence and exactly what a 13 year old would think. Speaking about the day, Mahatma Gandhi said they knew nothing about marriage. The day to them was meant to be new clothes, sweets and playing with relatives. Now being so young, it was tradition for the bride to stay and her parents away from her husband until support was established. Gandhi was a teenage boy and had all the normal feelings, but he would later comment feeling bad about lusting over her. In late 1885, his father sadly died. Gandhi was just 16. Soon after, Gandhi would welcome his first child into the world, but sadly this child only lived for a few days. These two deaths caused huge heartbreak for Gandhi. They did go on though to have four healthy sons. In November 1887, Gandhi was 18, he graduated high school and enrolled in college in January 1888. The college or the course wasn't for him, so he dropped out and returned to his family. So dropping out didn't look great. He was from a privileged caste, so had certain appearances to keep up. A family friend, Mavji Dave Jyoti, who was a Brahim priest, came knocking at the door and advised Gandhi to consider going to London to study law. In July 1888, he had his first child. Thinking about London, his 
mother wasn't very happy with the idea and with Gandhi leaving either, especially now that he would be leaving his wife and a newborn behind. His uncle, Tosidas, also had concerns and had a few words with him on the matter, suggesting not to go. But Gandhi wanted to go. To reassure his young wife and his mother, he committed to a vow. He would abstain from meat, alcohol and women. Gandhi's brother, Laxmidis, was also a lawyer, completely supported the idea of Gandhi going to study in London and even offered money for him to do so. Eventually his mother would agree and gave her blessing. 18-year-old Gandhi set off on August 10, 1888 for Bombay, which today is Mumbai. He stayed here with the mob Baniya community while he waited to travel to London. The elders of this community weren't happy that Gandhi was leaving and they warned of English temptations with drink, food and women. Gandhi, he wasn't pushed in their opinions, he was going either way. The elders took it one step for further and excommunicated him from the caste. Gandhi, he's a bit of a honey badger and he didn't, wasn't really bothered by this. He set sail for Bombay to London on September 4th. He attended the University College London or UCL and studied law. He was still very shy and introverted so joined the public speaking practice group to improve these issues. Being a lawyer he needed to speak in public so he needed to get this sorted. He was very interested in the welfare of London's poor, especially communities in the Docklands. Now in 1889 a trade dispute broke out in London with a docker strike. They wanted better pay and better conditions. Seamen, shipbuilders and factory girls also all joined the strike. Ultimately it was successful thanks to the mediation of Cardinal Manning. This help led Gandhi and her Indian friend to make a point to go to Cardinal and thank him in person for his work. So London's lifestyle was indeed tempting, but Gandhi stuck to his vow. It was very tough for a while, the vegetarian food he came across at first was horrible and bland, but he eventually found good vegetarian restaurants. He joined the London Vegetarian Society or LVS and was elected to its committee by the president and benefactor Arnold Hills. Some of the LVS members were also part of the Theosophical Society. They were devoted to reading and studying Buddhist and Hindu literature. They invited Gandhi to join them in the readings. Now back at LVS he became buddy buddy with Top Dog Hills. But they did butt heads when it came to a member, Thomas Allison. This spat is the first known example of Gandhi challenging authority despite his shyness. What the issue was about was Allison was promoting new birth control methods. Hills didn't like this and he felt it was undermining public morality. Hills had a vegetarianism as a morale movement, so to him Allison should be axed out of it. Gandhi did agree with Hills but believed Allison had the right to differ. So it was a small disagreement, but huge to Gandhi. Hill intimidated Gandhi. He was 12 years older than him. He was well-spoken, influential. He bankrolled the LVS and employed over 6,000 people at the Thames Ironwork. So he was the type of guy you, didn't, you wanted on your side, not against. Hills was also big into sports and later would find it with a well-known West Ham United. But Gandhi stuck to his opinion. It wasn't fair to have Alison tossed out for not agreeing with Hills. So a motion at the next LVS meeting was called to remove Hills. They debated and Gandhi tried to argue with Alison, but his shyness was too much, so he wrote down his points instead. He then handed them to a more confident speaker and have them read it out. 
Members saw Gandhi's point of view, but they still, he still lost the vote. So Alison was tossed out. The axe was buried as regards to the disagreements between Gandhi and Hills, with no ill feelings lingering. Hills would even go on to toast Gandhi at his farewell party at LVS when he was returning to India. Just before leaving at the age of 22, he was called to the bar in June 1891. Back in India though, he was sat down and sadly told about his mother who had passed away while he was studying. The family thought it best not to tell him at the time so his studies weren't affected. In Bombay, he tried to set up a law practice but failed when he had to cross witnesses in open court. He just couldn't mentally do it. So back to Rakosh he went and he got an okay job drafting petitions. But this was soon came to an end when he butted heads with the British officer Sam Sonny. In 1893, Muslim merchant Dada Abdullah contacted Gandhi. He owned a shipping business in South Africa. His cousin in Johannesburg needed a lawyer and wanted someone with Katawari heritage. He offered Gandhi a good salary, plus they would pay his travel expenses. The contract was for just one year, but for the sake of the year, Gandhi thought, why not? So April 1893, off 23-year-old Gandhi went on a boat to South Africa to be the lawyer for Abdullah's cousin. Gandhi would end up staying 21 years in South Africa, strengthening his politi politics views, his ethics and his politics, which we will get to. Talks in 1893 and off comes Gandhi and straight away he's met with verbal abuse and discrimination because of the colour of his skin and his heritage. Public transport, he couldn't sit in the stagecoach, that was for the Europeans. He used to sit on the floor by the driver and if he refused he was beaten. Walking, everyday normal walking, if found walking too close to a house he was kicked into gutters. And some places if Indians walked on the footpath, police would kick them off into the street without warning. Gandhi was once ordered to remove his turban while he was in Durban court, so he met a lot of racism. A make or break moment came when Gandhi was thrown off a train at Peter Masselberg because he was sitting in first class with a valid ticket and he wouldn't leave so they threw him off. He sat in a dark empty train station overnight, cold, tired and hungry. Gandhi questioned whether his life changes were correct. Should he go back to India where he was treated like royalty or stay in protest for his rights? He chose the latter and boarded that train again the next day. Gandhi was prideful and before South Africa he believed he was Britain first and Indian second. But seeing the attitude and what the British did and taught off the Indians in South Africa really upset him. Gandhi couldn't understand how people could get such joy out of belittling others. This started Gandhi questioning India's place in the British Empire. He founded a political movement, which was called the NATO India Congress, and it's here he developed his peaceful civil protest approach into actual political positions. He did this when he opposed the introduction to register all Indians, Indians in South Africa with no cooperation from relevant authorities. So in 1916, he went back to India. He continued to improve on his peaceful civic disobedience. In 1918, he started to raise awareness of the Bihar people and the treatment they were getting from authorities. He encouraged the villagers to change what was happening with peaceful strikes and protests. He started to gain notoriety and this is when people began to call him Mahatma or Great Soul. With his fame increasing, his political influence also did. By 1921, he was leading the Indian National Congress. He began to shuffle the party's constitution and his main aim was to, for independence from Britain, also known as the Principal Swarji. He came up with and executed a boycott of British goods and institutions 
through mass civic disobedience. This encouragement of mass disobedience ended him in being arrested on March 10, 1922. Sedition charges were brought forward. These charges were brought to those who rebelled against the state or authority. He was convicted and served two, of a, two years of a six-year prison sentence. While in prison, the Indian National Congress started to break down. Released in February 1924, Gandhi became a recluse from the public eye, only coming out when he needed to. But four years on, in 1928, he was back to campaign for the grant of dominant status to India by Britain. In 1930, the British took in a tax on salt. A staple season in many homes back then and now. Now this tax would create one of Gandhi's famous marches. He would march 250 miles to the sea to collect his own salt, therefore not having to pay the tax. The British began taking note of Gandhi's political influence and felt they had to sit down and negotiate settlements. Gandhi was able to get help on property issues, get status for those deemed inhuman or untouchable. He also got rights for women and made ground on his goal for Swadji political independence from Britain. He was a peaceful little guy, but it's amazing how peaceful caused so much unrest and annoyance to some. So he wasn't very liked. He caused so much annoyance to some that they wanted him gone, six feet under gone. There were known to be attempts on his life, and on the 25th of June 1934 was the first attempt. Gandhi was in Tuna, along with his wife to give a speech. Two cars rocked up in the day to take them to the venue. Rather than take the first car, Gandhi and his wife got into the second and they set up. The cars approached a train track crossing. The first made it through, but the second was stopped for the oncoming train, so the cars became separated. The first car arrived at the venue and a bomb was thrown at the car into it, exploding and injuring several. Now no one investigated this and it never was found out who or why and no arrests were made but it's believed that the attacks were down to a Hindu fundamentalist called Naturam Godse. He was very much against Gandhi's peaceful approaches and felt that they hurt the supremacy of the Hindu religion. World War II broke out and the first year Gandhi's mission of independence from Britain was at its peak. He didn't understand why India should send their people to certain death for Britain. It wasn't their fight, it was the British fight. At this time, the worst instance of civil uprising would happen with Gandhi at its reins. This was called the, quiet, the Quit India Movement. Because of this fight back, and even though it was peaceful, Gandhi and his wife were once again arrested on August 9, 1942. They were held at Aga Khan Palace in Pune for two years. In February 1944, just three months remaining on their sentence, Kasturba, Gandhi's wife died in prison. In 1944, Gandhi was released. The second attempt in his life would occur now. Again by Godse, but it wasn't done with as much gusto as the first. Godse heard Gandhi had been released and was staying in a hill station near Pune. He was recovering from his prison stint and heartbreak from losing his wife. So Godse gathered people and they went to the hill station. He began a very loud anti-Gandhi protest. During the protest, Godse was offered a private chat with Gandhi, but he declined. Gandhi later would attend a prayer meeting as did Godse. Godse was armed with a dagger and he entered the prayer meeting and immediately yelled anti-Gandhi chants and rushed to Gandhi. His timing though was off, maybe the excitement got to him because he was taken down by worshippers, making it nowhere near Gandhi. 
True to his, his pacific roots, Gandhi didn't want to prosecute. Four months later, September 1944, Gandhi once again gathered his goons and led a Hindu activist demonstration. They aggressively approached Gandhi at a train station. No actual attack was attempted, but Gandhi was found with a dagger, so it was taken that he would have attacked if he could. Because of this, this was because would become known as the third attempt on Gandhi's life. So the British, well, they had a plan. They proposed splitting the British ruled India into Muslim Pakistan and Hindu India. Gandhi wasn't happy about this. He saw a lot of problems with it. But his concerns went unheard as the Congress party accepted the British split idea. The 29th of June 1946 would be the day of the fourth attempt on Gandhi's life. He was on a train called the Gandhi Special with his entourage as someone or some group piled boulders on the tracks to derail the train. Since Gandhi's train was the only one travelling that day, it was taken he was the target. It was derailed, but all was fine. After this, Gandhi said, I have not hurt anyone, nor do I consider anyone my enemy. I can't understand why there are so many attempts on my life. Yesterday's attempt on my life has failed. I will not die just yet. I aim to live till 125. Now, I get the whole optimism and confidence, you know, see it, say it, do it, I get that. But this was said a day after the fourth attempt on his life. You know, it might have been better if he went with, I'll take it one day at a time, rather than gunning for 125, but anyway. So the splitting of Muslim and Hindu, we know Gandhi wasn't for it, but his political group wanted him and pressured him to accept it. They believed if he didn't come on board that a civil war in India would erupt. Being one to avoid conflict, Gandhi agreed and India celebrated Independence Day on the 15th of August 1947. Gandhi wanted unity amongst the groups and spent months busting his home for Hindu-Muslim peace. He constantly feared that the anger on both sides would spill over. This was one of the problems that Gandhi foreseen from the split and would be proven true given the fractured relationship of the two over the following 50 years. His efforts for this peace, unity and equality between the two would be his undoing. Gandhi felt Pakistan got a bit of a raw deal in the split with losing territories. So he thought it fair that Pakistan get payment for their loss and he even fought for it. The parties in India weren't so keen on this agreement. They believed giving Pakistan money would give them the ability to buy weapons, armour, bombs, all for war. Gandhi didn't see this and he organised a fast in support of the payment to Pakistan. Hindu radicals along with Godse all seen Gandhi as a traitor to the country. His fast succeeded and payment was secured, but this accomplishment would secure Gandhi his fifth attempt on his life. January 20th, Birla House, Delhi. Gandhi was preparing to give a speech. A gang of Hindu radicals, along with the villain Godse, were able to get into the Birla house. Madala Pawa was part of this gang and he separated from them and managed to get to the speaker's podium. He planted a bomb on the wall behind the podium. What they wanted to happen, notice I said wanted, well what they wanted to happen for was for the bomb to go off during the speech, causing chaos and panic. If Gandhi wasn't dead or if he was dying, two men would have the opportunity to shoot him dead and leave amongst the fleeing crowd. But the bomb went off before the speech. It even went off before Gandhi got to the podium. 
Mandala was captured, but the others, including Godze, escaped. Mandala was taken and interrogated where he admitted to the assassination plot. Delhi police had the suspicion that Godze was involved, but couldn't confirm it or find it. With a failed attempt, Godze went to Pune. He went with another man and got a Beretta automatic pistol. He then returned to Delhi. January 30th, 1948, Gandhi was heading back to Birla House for a prayer meeting. Camouflaged amongst the crowd, Godse made his way through them, getting close enough to aim and fire, shooting Gandhi three times in the chest. According to some, Gandhi cried out, Oh God, but most witnesses claim he never spoke a word. Word of Gandhi's death hit radicals in Pune and throughout India. These radicals celebrated this in the streets with sweets flying like a huge festival. While they celebrated his death, others in India and across the whole world were horrified at the murder. Back at Birla House, moments after the shooting, the crowd burst into panic, fear and pandemonium. People were running everywhere, but God said he didn't move. He didn't flee, he was arrested along with the buddy and they were imprisoned until their trial, November 8, 1949. They were found guilty and executed on November 15, 1949. Now it's believed the person behind the plot was not Godse, but a Hindu extremist called Vinaka Damuda Savakar, but this could never ever be proven. Hindu tradition is cremation, which Gandhi had done. His ashes were placed in three locations. Aga Khan's palace, the site of his first arrest and where his wife died. His memorial is inscribed with Hey Ram, which is meaning Oh God, but again it's never been confirmed that these were his last words. Although nominated five times for the Nobel Peace Prize, he never won it while alive. In 1948 the prize wasn't won, stating why there was no suitable living candidate that year. So you know, hint hint, he would have won that year, or it seemed to indicate. His teachings and approaches inspired many, including some famous Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Nelson Mandela, Steve Bicko, and Aung San Suu Kyi. He was born the 2nd of October 1869 into a privileged caste, and now on the 2nd of October in India, it's a national holiday every year in his honor. He had many inspiring words, but we will leave on one of these. You must be the change you want to see in the world. Thanks for listening. Next time I'll talk about the horrible disease that was smallpox. This was the good, the bad, and the pure evil. Until next time.